Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our texted number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present to him the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought him in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up to his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for the sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up to the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak for him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And tonight, I would like to, ah, he doesn't need introduction, but uh, check, this check. is Sam Miranda, guys. He's our, check, our check. pastor check, over check. at our Miami Springs campus. Um, a fun fact, really quickly before Sam starts, Sam actually used to lead worship here back in 2011. Y'all are looking at one of the most talented human beings on the planet, saxophonist, vocalist, Guitar player, piano player, and he's going to bring the word from the Lord tonight. So oh. welcome him, Crossbridge Brickle. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you, team. Thank you for hosting me uh, tonight, Brickle. I don't get to do this often, but um, I'm really grateful I get this opportunity tonight to, to, to preach um, from Luke's gospel. Well, Christmas is over, right? It's come to an end. Uh, the gifts have been given or received. The meals have been eaten, the parties for the most part are over, right? You get to put away the ugly sweater, 
right next to, <laughs> yeah, right next to the hot pink one you got last year, it's over, right? Or is it? Is it really over? You know, when we think about all these things that we've celebrated, maybe some of you all have, whatever your tradition is, Noche Buena, Christmas morning, uh, n- none of those things have really got anything to do with the real meaning of Christmas. And when we keep Jesus as a central figure of our lives, Christmas can actually happen 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, because if there's any gift that I need, that we all need every single day, more than the food we eat, more than the air I breathe, more than uh, the water I drink, more than the roof that apparently I barely have over my head, (laughs) more than anything that I've received this year, what I need more than anything every single day is grace. Grace that will enable me and all of us to live in sometimes this really hard and cruel and difficult world. And here's the, here's the cool part, the, 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 the mesmerizing part here, that this picture of grace, the perfect image of grace, is not God sending some invading army from heaven, but it's a baby in a manger behind some, you know, motel in Bethlehem. Um, it's, it's really the most amazing thing, the greatest event in all of history. And when we see this, when it sinks down deep and wide, this amazing grace and what it actually does, what it actually does in our hearts, we can actually say and actually sing like Simeon does here in verse 30 when he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Here's the promise for us tonight. Here's the promise that God wants to give us. He's wanting to empower us to live, to live the way that he created you and me to live. That's what he wants for us. That's that's our New Year's resolution, 2020. God, empower me to live the way you have designed and created me to live. What is it that you are waiting for this year? 2019, what, what comfort were you waiting for? What peace were you waiting for? What gift were you longing for? What joy were you waiting for? Today we wrap up our, our Hidden Christmas series, and, and it ends with this weathered, Old age man, imagine him stooped over. He's got an incredible voice, a priest, so he can sing. He's singing this song, right? And this song is a personal song of joy. He's finally seeing ancient hopes realized. He's seeing them come to fruition. And, and, and the song is a song of transformation. It's the end of deep divisions. It's the truth about ourselves that comes to the surface whenever we draw near to Jesus or, or whenever Jesus draws near to us. What, what, what can we learn about this old man who finally realizes that he's standing at the hinge of history here? What is it that the Spirit of God is teaching him and wants to teach us? Well, I'll just bring out two things. The first thing is we are all waiting on God's plan. The people of God, Israel, they would think about these two uh, places, not as two different spheres, heaven and earth, but as two spheres that overlap and interlock over one another, right? Heaven is the place where God dwells. Earth is the place where we dwell. And the temple was the place where heaven would invade earth just for a moment. God's glory would shine. And that's why they would love to go to the temple because every time they went to the temple three times a year and they prayed, it kept hope alive that God was with them and that one day the whole earth will be filled with the glory that shined in the temple that we read in the Old Testament, not even Moses 
was even able to see. So Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus to the temple. They bring to circumcise him. They bring to name him. They bring to present him. They bring to consecrate him. They bring to offer a sacrifice for him. And it may sound primitive, these rituals, but this is exactly what happens when heaven invades earth. Being circumcised means that you're in a covenant relationship with the living God. Being given a name. Being given a name is a picture of being, uh, of having an identity before God. Being consecrated. Being consecrated to the Lord means I've been given a purpose for God. And the offering here that we see is a picture of being forgiven by God. The temple is a place where nobody's become somebodies, where outcasts have purpose, have mission. They're, they're given a divine mission. This is why Jerusalem was the center of the earth at some point. But they're waiting. That's what they're doing. They're waiting for, for a time where, where, where God's occupy the earth plan finally comes to fulfillment and expands beyond the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph are in the temple, they see this old man named Simeon. They're approached by him. And here's a couple of things we can learn through the eyes of an old geezer here. Firstly, we learn, here's the first thing, let his birth, talking about Jesus, let his birth prepare us to die. Verse 26, it says, Simeon saw him and then he said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet my maker. I'm ready to depart in peace. It's as Simeon was saying, listen, I know that God is doing something wonderful and amazing and I want to be a part of it. I know God's doing something tremendous here, and I know that he's behind it, and I want to be a part of it. And so what was Simeon doing this whole time? Was he leading a movement? Was he building his resume? Was he, was he, what was he doing? He was waiting. He was watching. He was doing his priestly duties. He was praying, right? He was doing something awesome. He was keeping hope alive. Listen. Everybody in here is in the waiting business. I don't know if you knew that. Every Christian is in the business of waiting. We are to remain faithful. We are to remain patient even when we don't have what we want yet. We're, we're to remain faithful. Maybe, I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to love you tonight or, or to find somebody to love. Maybe you're, maybe you're waiting for uh, 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 today for some clarity of some decision that you got to make some life direct, where am I going to move to? Am I going to move here? Am I going to, maybe you're waiting for clarity about this major life decision. Maybe you're waiting for a sibling or maybe you've got a prodigal child or a prodigal uncle or a family member that you're just praying, God, how long is this guy going to, when is he going to come back? When is he going to believe? When is he going to stop rejecting you? I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for your financial life to bounce back. Maybe you're waiting for God to reveal what you got to do. It's been a year. It's been two years. You don't even, you're still searching. You're still wandering. Maybe you're waiting for love to heal a relationship that's, that's broken and it's killing you. How long? I don't know. But here's what I know. What's important is not how long we have to wait, but who are we becoming while we're waiting? Who are we becoming? If Simeon decided to say, hey, you know what, this is never going to happen. I've been waiting decade after decade. I look like an idiot singing about these things. This is, I'm never going to see this. You know, this is not going to happen, right? He would have missed the moment, the exact moment for which he was created and designed for to pick up this baby 
in his arms and he begins to sing, my eyes have seen your salvation. What gave Simeon peace, profound peace in his heart to face his death, what he himself had seen is the only person who, who secures our salvation. He believed it. He believed it beyond what, he didn't even know how it was going to work out. He trusted God. He took one look at the baby, one look at the infant and saw God's solution to our separation. He trusted in what he came to do and he was ready to meet his maker. Listen to what the psalmist says, 130 verse 5. He says, I rely on the Lord. I rely on him with my whole being. Is that you? I wait for his assurance, his assuring word. Let his birth prepare us to die. Here's the second thing. Let his life prepare you to suffer. Verse 34, 35, he tells Mary, hey, this baby's going to bring a sword. And he's going to bring a sword to you as well, Mary. He's going to pierce your heart. Mary, this baby's going to divide people. Some people are going to accept him and rejoice. Some people are going to hate on him and reject him. Some people are going to follow him. Some people are going to, and by the way, this sword is also going to pierce your heart as well, meaning he's going to reveal the secret thoughts and the secret intentions of people's hearts. And people don't like that. I don't like that when you call me out on things, right? When you tell people the truth about themselves, their deep, dark secrets, we don't like that. And what do we do? Right? What do we do? We organize our lives to hide and protect it, or we try to avoid it at, at, at all costs, right? These are, are, are wounds that go deep, usually maybe started when we're young, right? And Jesus comes to reveal these things at deep levels, and you won't like what happens to Jesus, Mary. You won't like what happens to him, but it's necessary that he fulfills his mission, and Mary, get ready to suffer for his sake. That's what Simeon is telling her. Get ready to suffer for Jesus. And then we never hear from this guy again. Many years later, the Apostle Paul, who bore in his body, he writes about in Philippians the marks of Jesus. Listen to what he says in Philippians. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy. Be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or I'm not here, I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. I, rem I remember when my, um, my mom passed away a long time ago, 17 years ago. She passed away, had a, a lot of friends come and try to console me and try to bring me comfort, had this one friend just explain to me, you know, the truths about the Bible, the hope beyond the grave, and trying to make sense of this, you know, you know she was 48, she, she left what we would consider early, right? And, and the whole time I was like, man, I love you, but dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't need to hear that right now. And then I had another friend who came, he sat next to me, didn't say anything, waited till waited till I said something, just kind of affirmed me, answered simply, just comforted me, and then he left. And listen, that's the kind of peace, that's the kind of consolation, that's the kind of comfort that Jesus brings when we are wounded, when we are hurting. Because listen, Jesus, 
or with Jesus and resting with him. Like Brandon said, I don't understand. Resting in Jesus alone is not without pain, is not without suffering in this world. Following Jesus meant a piercing pain to Mary that she would one day watch her son, you know, put away, I'm just, you know, adapting here, put away the hammer in his father's carpenter shop and then watch him grow up and be brutally murdered. That following Jesus would lead her to the cross. And you know what? Following Jesus will lead us there as well. That's not without pain. When you put your faith in Jesus, a lot of struggles, a lot of fights come to an end. And they're resolved like the fight of finding an identity. That should be resolved. The fight of trying to find meaning in this world, that should come to an end, right? The fight of trying to prove yourself. The fight of trying to handle suffering in this world, that should be resolved. But at the same time, when you put your faith in Jesus, right, a whole new set of struggles are touched by faith. A whole new set of fights are touched by faith in him. A Christian is someone who knows inward peace, but at the same time is identified by inward conflict. At the same time, I said it in Christmas Eve this Tuesday, a lot of us think that, that struggling and rejoicing are two, just two chronological steps. So when, God, when, I, when is this thing going to be over so I can be happy? But when Paul says to rejoice always, you know where he was? He was sitting in a Roman prison. Rejoicing and suffering are two movements that are happening at the same time designed to move you deeper and deeper and deeper to, to, to depend on God. You got that promotion, you get that bonus, you get that job, but at the same time, you, you lose a loved one, you lose somebody that's dear to you. At the same time, always two concurrent movings happening at the same time. So let the, we got to let the meaning of Christmas transform all of our suffering, whether it's from illness, whether it's from loss, whether it's from lack, so that it becomes suffering for Jesus' sake, so that his perfect work in you right, can become perfected. Let grace help you in the time of need, right? So that it might have its perfect work in you and through you to someone who's watching you so that they may say there's something different about your life. I don't get it, but there's something different about you. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus the fulfillment of all of your waiting? Is he the fulfillment of all of waiting? Because the whole idea of the temple was to do what? Was to point to him. In fact, this baby would grow up, he would become a man, and he would say, hey, I'll tell you the truth. Someone greater than the temple is here. He was talking about himself. He was talking about himself. The picture of what was coming true now. He had arrived on earth. He was claiming that in his own person, that in his own little community, in his own teachings, in his own life, in his own body, in his own actions, finally, heaven was invading earth. And remember what happens when this happens. Sins are forgiven. Outcasts get taken into covenant relationships. The poor in spirit get blessed. People get their identities. People get Simon was renamed to Peter, right? Human beings receive a divine. There was never a divine mission. There was never a man like this, like Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph enter the temple with this little baby, thinking they're coming into the house of God. But what happens in turn is that when they take the baby back home, they're actually taking God back home with them. That's what God wants for all of us. He wants to make a home with you. Listen to what Paul is asking 
all of us, when he's posing this question to the Corinthian church, he says, don't you realize that all of you together, you know what you are? You are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. Whenever you serve, whenever you volunteer to help those in need because they matter to Jesus, they matter to the Lord. Whenever you're praying for somebody who's going through it, through a hardship, whenever you confess that grudge that you've been holding on for decades or maybe for weeks or months or for years, and then you want to reconcile with them, whenever you get the idea to be generous and then you actually are generous, whenever, whenever that happens, like not with your, you know, your time, talents, and treasures like we always say here, whenever you have a hard conversation with that sibling or with that spouse, or with that long-distant relative, whenever you had that hard convo with him, right? Because they're stuck. They're just stuck. Whenever you have that, whenever you use your spiritual gifts, the way that God has designed you to use whenever that happens for the body of Christ with joy and peace and unselfish love, you know what happens? When all of these things happen, you become the temple. You become the temple where heaven is invading earth. And if you keep doing that, like Simeon, your whole life, then you got something more singing about. I sometimes I pray to God, I go, God, what are you, what are you doing in my life, man? It feels like there's a whole construction crew just like dr drilling, you know, and God, you know, sometimes go, hey, listen, I'm not building, I'm not building a little cabin up in the mountain. I'm building a temple. I want you smack in the middle of the city where people are. That's what I'm doing. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes we don't understand what's, what he's doing, but but trust in him. Church, this happened. Like in history, it happened. This baby was born. He came. This invasion of earth, it doesn't stop with Jesus. It happens in his life. It happens in his teachings. It happens when people invite Jesus in their hearts, in their homes. It's happening now. Now God is, he's making a whole new map of the earth. He's making a whole new math where everybody is under construction. So don't lose patience. Don't lose hope. Don't give up because it ain't about you. It's all about him. He's the central figure of Christmas. Which leads us to the second thing we learn about Simeon here. Not just waiting on God's plan. Some of us have been waiting for a while. But that God's plan absolutely includes you. Everybody. Everybody. It includes you. It's not an accident that God surrounded uh, the coming of Christ here with different generations. In fact, Luke deliberately stresses Anna's age. He's 84. Why does he do that? He wants to show us. Listen, John the Baptist's mom couldn't have kids. She was old. She was barren, right? They were old. And, and, but Mary and Joseph, they were young. They were, they were teenagers. You've got, you got, you got, you got bi-generational things going on here, right? you got a lot of things. Listen, it's never too too early or too late to be wholeheartedly devoted to God, to, 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 to surrender your life, to surrender your will, to the movement of the Spirit. That's what the Bible says here, that the Spirit moves Simeon to enter the temple at the right time, at the right moment to see this baby. And his birth brings two things. This plan that includes you, it brings revelation to the nations. Verse 32 is what he says. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon, a man of, of great faith in God's consolation. This is what he wanted to see. God's consolation to see Jesus. And he saw Jesus and he's ready to die in peace. And this peace 
This is not like the absence of, you know, violence or silence. This is shalom. This word comes from a picture here. Picture a rock that has cracks or a wall that has gaps. This is what Jesus does. He takes all of your cracks and gaps and he absorbs them. And then in turn, he gives you his wholeness, his wholeness, his shalom, his peace. It's not just to bring joy and prosperity. Remember, he knows that Jesus is going to be spoken against. He knows this. He knows that some will fall because of him. Simeon's peace is in the assurance that God is going to keep his word beyond all of the conflict to come, that salvation will absolutely prevail. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah says this in 52. He says, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. In the previous chapter, Zechariah sang a song. It was implicit in his song, right? All of the beneficiaries of God's salvation. He was singing this song. It's not only for the Jews, but it's also to the nations. It's now become explicit in what Simeon is saying. Jesus, who comes to bring glory to Israel, is now expanding beyond Israel and brings revelation to all the nation that he means that he will reveal the true God, the true way to salvation to the Gentiles who are alienated from a life of God. Therefore, the mission of Jesus... God's plan to the nations is to open their eyes to, to who God truly is and bring back glory to him, which the nations have given to all sorts of other things in creation other than him. And he wants to use you to be part of that plan. So what does that mean? That means if, if you're old, older, this illustration works better in Mammy Springs. We've we got a lot of older people, younger people. But if you're... If you're Phil Nicholas's age, sorry, Phil, <laughs> right? Listen, we're all going to get there, right? I'm not too far behind Phil. Like, listen, if, if, once you get there, <laughs> right, and, and you tell yourself, yeah, I'm, like my best years are behind me. I can't run and gun anymore. You know, listen, if, if, if Simeon and Anna would have taken this disposition here, it would have been easy for them, right, to soak in the memories of their youth, to say, yeah, we did our part, you know, we can retire from a fervent devotion, but that's not what they're doing here. Instead, they persevered. They persevered in their trust in God's plan. They stayed faithful. They stayed responsive to the Holy Spirit, and God let them see, and God let them hear something they would have otherwise missed. And if you're young, like 98% of the people in this room, right, and if you're thinking, yeah, I got to get my life, I got to, you know, maybe you've maybe you got your whole life stretched out before you and you're thinking, I just got to do, you know, I got I to gotta get my life right. I got to do this. I got to get X, Y, the, the, the stars have got to, you know, the spheres have got to interlock. Maybe that's you. God is saying, listen, man, I want to use you today. Today is a day of full surrender, full repentance, full return to his will, to his ways. Why? Because you're part of the plan. Every single one of us has a part to play. And secondly, Jesus brings glory to Israel, right? Verse 32, for glory to your people. What's the glory that Israel's longing for? What are they waiting for? We sang it today, right? In a contemporary way. That's a weird song, but we sang it the words today, right? <laughs> Sorry, Brandon, you tried. <laughs> I love that hymn, you know? But what were they waiting for, right? The way, again, we, Zechariah, he sings, right? They're, they're finally delivered. They're delivered from the oppression of all their enemies. 
They're singing this song. The covenant promises are going to be fulfilled. That's what they're waiting for so that they may all serve God without fear in complete holiness and righteousness before him all the days of their life. But that did not happen at Jesus' first coming. What did Israel do? They said, nah, that's not the guy. And they rejected him. But that was part of the plan. Israel's rejection of their Messiah released a wave of grace to the rest of the world so that salvation might come to us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. He says this, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and in this way all of Israel will be saved. Paul is saying that the nation as a whole, uh, not every individual Jew, but as a whole, at some point in the future, they will be saved like anybody else is saved, like you and I are saved. They will join with the people of God. This is the fulfillment of what Simeon is singing, that Jesus will be a light for glory to the people of Israel. And this is what Jesus came to show on the cross, the glory loses all of it so that we can be clothed in it, bound so that we can have access to the Father. You see, the only one who could bring consolation is the consoler. The only one who could bring help and comfort is the helper, is the comforter, and Jesus took away the only kind of suffering. Hear this, if you, if you forget anything else tonight, Jesus took the only kind of suffering that could truly and honestly and absolutely destroy you. And that is being separated and alienated and outcasted and cast away from God. You know what that means? That means any kind of suffering that you have experienced, will experience, or will ever experience is designed to make you great. Only in Jesus do we see how an infinite God can become a baby and a loving Savior. And only on the cross can we see both the love of God and the holiness of God be fulfilled at the same time. That's my prayer. That's my hope, that we're waiting for Jesus' coming, that we're waiting. Second coming, just as Simeon was excited and hopeful. That's Jesus' first. And so I pray that God may stir in us a longing. A longing for consolation, a longing for redemption, a longing for grace that can only come from Christ. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us the ultimate and supreme treasure of the universe. It's mind-boggling. The word wonderful means mind-boggling. Wonderful counselor. It doesn't mean like I wonder if my flight is going to, no, it means mind boggling that you would come, that you would come to a desolate and filthy, you could have been born at the Hilton in Bethlehem, you could have been born into a wealthy family, you chose to be born in a filthy and desolate place. The psalmist says why? So that the desolate, so that the lonely so that the outcast could finally have a home. And Lord, you want to work through us to bring other desolate souls and lonely souls out there to tell them, hey, you have a home, you have a family to belong to. They're looking to us, your body, your church. They're looking to us for hope. 
Let you be the fulfillment of our longing. Let us keep hope alive. Every day, every second, every action we take, every desire we entertain, every word that we speak, Father, it should be filled with wonder and amazement that you have made peace with us, that we have peace with ourselves, that we have peace with other people, that we, we have been wronged, that we have been hurt. Let us be more amazed and more in wonder that you have forgiven us. Let you be the focus not the wounds of our struggle. Let you be the focus of our wonder, of our amazement, Lord. Your grace, we are what we are by your grace. And we ask for more of it every day. It's the gift that we need every single day. Father, we love you and we thank you, we praise you. Thank you that we can come here tonight and make much of you. And as we turn the chapter here, 2019, Lord, we look forward to 2020. I pray that you may stir a longing in our hearts to keep hope alive, to be fervent in our devotion, to focus on what we're designed to do, to decide, to make. We're not called to find them. We're called to make them, to make disciples, to focus. If it's just one person, to focus on that one person for 2020, to love on them, to show Jesus to them. For some of them, we're the, only, we're the only Bible they'll ever read. We're the only Jesus they'll ever see. As imperfect as we are, broken as we are, Lord, we ask that you give us the shalom, that you can fill our cracks that sin produces, the gaps in our lives, and you just make us whole. And that we can offer that peace, that abounding peace, that grace. To focus on you is, is the joy that brings profound peace to our hearts. Let us focus on you. Father, in your precious name we pray. Amen.